Welcome to the service station. Information and conversation from the Riverside County Department of Public Social Services. Systemic racism has impacted generations of black communities and families in ways that many people are just now beginning to understand. The pandemic casts a glaring spotlight on the long-standing social and economic impacts of racism. The percent of babies with very low birth weight, African-Americans are two times that is of whites. Infant mortality, African-Americans are three times that of whites. Um, and so there, there are so many examples where African-Americans in particular, but certainly communities of color are disproportionately impacted when we look at health outcomes. Board of Supervisors responded by declaring racism a public health crisis that has caused persistent discrimination in housing, education, employment, transportation, criminal justice, and in health outcomes. This resolution attempts to acknowledge that the structure of our society has not met the aspirations that have been stated by our founding fathers. That even though we have this aspiration that everyone can be treated equal and have equal access. The reality is, and it's borne out by the data, that they don't. We're talking today with Stephanie Bryant, Branch Chief of Maternal, Child and Adolescent Health. She's sharing with us the impacts of racism and implicit bias on infants and their mothers and how Riverside County partners are working together through the Black Infant Health Program to give newborns and moms support and a better outcome. It's happening right now on the service station. Here now are your hosts, Jean Kennedy and Angela Nasso. How you doing over there, partner? Doing good, and you? You're, you ready to jump right yeah. into this? <laughs> sure. First off, by the way, that both of us are co-hosting this. Yeah. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good to be with all of you. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your job and your passion for helping black families in our county. Sure. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'm actually a nurse by trade. Um, I've been a nurse for um, almost 30 years. And um, now I'm the Maternal Child Adolescent Health Branch Chief or Director um, for Riverside University Health System Public Health. Um, I oversee um, several different um, programs, most of them home visiting programs, and then one specifically, which is our Black Infant Health Program that we're here to talk about today. Our goal is to improve birth outcomes, health outcomes, and child development outcomes um, and family outcomes in our community. In Riverside County, um, our goal is to enroll almost about 200 women in our program. And it's actually um, a 30-year-old statewide program, correct? Yes. Correct. Talk to us. There are several California counties that have this program, including Riverside. Tell us about it. Yes. So back in the late 1990s, um, the state of California recognized that there was a huge um, infant, um, a black infant mortality um, problem in the state of California. At that time, the infant mortality rates for African-American babies was very high in comparison to even today. And so our California legislature responded to um, that concern and funded um, through state general funds um, programs across the state and counties which had the largest numbers of African-American 
um, women and families. And so Riverside County is amongst one of those counties that was lucky enough to be um, awarded um, to address the high rate of infant black infant mortality. When they're pregnant, they go through 10 groups. They go um, weekly for about two and a half hours um, in their groups. And during the groups, they, um, you know, they, there's a lot of teaching and education around just healthy pregnancy related issues. There's a lot of focus on um, being an African-American woman. Um, they always have an icon that um, is presented to them. So they get a sense of, you know, what um, a woman of color has gone through and how they've come through that. So they have that opportunity to kind of learn that. Um, we do a lot of um, exercises with them. So we focus on stress management. We really are focusing on addressing to toxic stress and helping them to manage their stress. Why would an expecting um, black mother need to come into this program? And can you give us some examples of stories that you've heard? Um, well, um, one of the reasons why women need this, um, and black women in particular, is one, because we do know um, in Riverside County that we have the high, um, black women are too um, black babies are one and a half to two times more likely to be born early um, or to die in the first year of life. And also we're focusing heavily on maternal um, mortality as well. We're recognizing that black women are almost four times more likely to die um, in delivery or in the first year of life. And so for those reasons, we recognize that there's a disparity in terms of looking at the black-white um, birth outcomes and numbers. And so that tells us that black women in particular need um, additional support around ensuring that their pregnancies are healthy, ensuring that their outcomes are healthy, and ensuring that their babies will have um, a greater chance at um, a good health, healthy birth and a, a future. Can you give us some examples of these disparities that you see? Um, what we find and what we've seen and what the data is starting to tell us um, around implicit bias and issues of um, racism and such, we recognize that sometimes the care that is received is not always equitable. And um, helping moms understand how to advocate for themselves to ensure that they have those good outcomes. One of the stories, and I think is a very common story that seems simple to people, but is very serious and is very real. And as the example that I gave, it's just about dignity and care. So if my perception is that when I come to the office and, um, you know, I'm met by someone who's, you know, and I hear this often with women, probably more than anything, um, the rolling the eyes and, you know, shoveling paper across. And here I'm, you know, eight months pregnant and maybe I've come in with a child. I, I hear this often, you know, it's, it's, I'm not met with a positive, I'm not met with a smile. I'm not met with, a, are you okay? I'm not met with, do you need anything? I'm met with, um, you know, rudeness, you know, just plain rudeness. And then if I go to my provider, and I've heard this before from many women, um, the same kind of um, feeling and sentiment, and then in the flip, I'm said, you know, then I were said, well, why don't you come to your prenatal care? You know, so you're the person who doesn't show up for prenatal care. Well, that's why I don't show up for prenatal care, because of how I'm treated when I come to a prenatal care visit. You know, I'm not treated as if I'm welcome to be here. I'm just, you know, taking up time. And, you know, and then if I come with questions, that becomes another, um, you know, stressor or concern. And is um, that fueled in your mind by implicit bias? Absolutely. Absolutely. Systemic racism. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The director of 
RUHS Kim Sawatari had addressed the Board of Supervisors back in August 2020 when they declared racism as a public health crisis. And there's a clip of her talking about implicit bias. Let's listen. Part of the challenge that we're seeing as public health professionals are um, a need to increase understanding and awareness uh, in people because racism isn't, we're not just talking about overt acts of racism. We're talking about systemic racism, implicit bias, um, things that people don't even necessarily understand or recognize are continuing this systemic racism that has a negative consequence. So, um, I think public health uh, in general, again, is committed to work towards uh, eliminating systemic racism because ultimately it's going to lead to a healthier community and we're going to have better health outcomes. And if we have better health outcomes, then we see increased productivity, we see uh, improved economic status, all kinds of downstreams effect. How do you see her comment? How do you see that play out in healthcare? Oftentimes, you don't recognize that you're providing care differently amongst different groups. And that's also an issue of implicit bias. So you may not recognize that if somebody looks like you, you feel much more comfortable addressing some of their complaints or concerns, whereas another group, you might feel that that group is complaining or you know, are just not taking care of themselves or you're going into the stereotypes that you are much more familiar with versus your familiarity with that particular um, ethnic group. And so that's how um, implicit bias shows up in healthcare. It also shows up in terms of how we're trained. Um, so historically speaking, um, there's a lot of historical um, obstetric practices that have happened um, in, you know, for many years back, which kind of speaks to the systemic side of healthcare that have plagued themselves into um, the healthcare of today. And again, it's a, it's, it's a way in which you have been trained that folks don't recognize is historical, but then also brings in the, the implicit bias. How and is that very being complex. addressed? To, to have a healthy pregnancy for a mom to have that better outcome? Well, so I think for Black Infant Health, one of the ways that, that we address it is one to um, focus on um, you know, the um, teaching moms about how to advocate for themselves, um, making sure that moms, and I talked about this earlier, making sure that moms um, recognize how to manage stress, um, making sure that they understand what their care should be like. Um, you should receive care that is um, with dignity and that is dignified. And if you don't feel that you're receiving that type of care, then we do teach our moms, um, you have choice and you have options. And so those are the ways that we empower um, um, African-American women to understand what um, a healthy birth should look like, what, um, what obstetric care should look like, um, what, you know, what type of care you should be receiving from your provider, um, and just you know, what should happen. And not just the provider, but also really we've been pushing the, the, the envelope in terms of all of the care, because care starts the minute that I walk through the door. So, for instance, if I walk through the door and the receptionist is not necessarily um, kind to me, but my OB doctor is great, remember, the care started the moment I walked through the door, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have a team of people who are providing care that we need to think about in terms of implicit bias. Like the entire team is part of that um, shaping the experience of the mom when she walks into that um, OB environment.
Talk to us about, is it true that the lowest, that we have in Riverside County, one of the lowest black infant mortality rates in Southern California? And do you see it, do you think we're having success with this program? I definitely believe that the women who are enrolled in the program are absolutely benefiting um, from being in the program. I will say this about our birth outcomes. While I recognize that Riverside County is probably um, looks better in terms of compare, comparing ourselves to other um, counties, um, the March of Dimes um, every year does a rating on um, our preterm birth rates. And so, for instance, Riverside County was a B minus. And last year we were a B minus and we pretty much remained the same. And so if you look at our other counties, most of our other counties are either B, B minuses or C. And there's only one other county um, in our state that even has an A. So I think it's important to recognize that we have a still a state. Um, we have a local, we have a state and we have a national problem that we need to continue to address. What are the long term socioeconomic impacts if we don't address this? Well, you know, obviously when, you know, babies are born um, too early and are born too soon, and if those babies survive, first of all, looking at it from a health perspective, um, we recognize that the cost to take care of babies who are born too early, who end up in the NICU for months at a time, um, you're talking upwards of $40,000 plus a, a month to care for children who um, may experience this. And then of course, if you look at their lifetime, if they continue to have problems um, from being, or being born too early, then of course you're talking about a lifetime of a variety of problems from physical to emotional to developmental. And so that always has a, a impact um, personally on the child, the family, and um, absolutely your community and society. I also think that the health of our children and the health of our babies is really one of those most important um, outcomes that we look at, we, we look at that kind of measures how successful we are as a society. Right. It's and a value we, we have. It's a value. And so, you know, when you look at any baby, almost every person looks at a new baby and, and smiles, right? Mm -hmm. But when we don't take care of our children, our, our infants and our babies, we're just setting our community up and our, our country up somewhat for failure. How are African-American women more likely to have complications during pregnancy? And what services do they uh, seek out the most. And we do recognize that many African-American women may have many different health issues, either when they're pregnant or shortly after their pregnancy. So hypertension is one of those that we see commonly sometimes in African-American women, um, gestational diabetes or the development of diabetes. Uh, mental health is a huge concern um, that we see for um, women of color, especially before their pregnancy and also after their pregnancy. So, the, so those are some of the more common ones that we often will see. And so when we recognize that, and so women don't necessarily come to our program because they have a health problem. Mm -hmm. um, they come to our program because they want support and they come to our program because they're looking for camaraderie in terms of um, women of color who look like them in the group because they come to a group session and that's where they have that kind of um, social support. And I think women come to our program because they recognize that the folks in our program look like them. And the folks in the program who look like them or the staff in my program who look like them, um, I think there's just a, a different level of support and advocacy for those women. Um, they feel um, appreciated, they feel cared for, they feel supported, they feel heard, and they feel like you understand them because you do look like them in the program. So the majority of my staff are also African-American women. And so that 
does really play into um, helping women participate in the program, stay in the program, finish the program. And then ultimately we go through the journey of pregnancy and, and the postpartum or delivery with them. And we see a lot of success from that. You were talking just a moment ago in the conversation about how the, how the moment they step in the door, that's when the care begins mm-hmm. and, and the total care experience. Yes. And I wanted to ask you that, you know, from, from the time that a child is conceived, this is an issue that's being addressed and, you know, to ultimately get to that healthy outcome, that healthy pregnancy and, uh, and a better long-term outcome as well. Uh, what new approaches and partnerships are underway to help address this in the big picture? So I think what you're going to hear a lot more of is doula services. Um, we're hearing a lot more um, um, traction around uh, doula care. And if you're not sure what a doula is, essentially a doula is kind of like um, a pregnancy coach. It is um, a woman who comes alongside with you and coaches you through your um, kind of closer to the end of your pregnancy up until and then they're with you in the delivery when you have your baby. And then, of course, follow you a little bit after you have your baby to support you with breastfeeding and those kind of things. But where we see um, the benefit to having a doula, especially in the um, the point where you're actually in the hospital delivering your baby, is that you have someone that's supporting you. Um, you have someone that is um, helping you to reach some of the things that you wanted to reach. So let's just say a woman really wanted to have a delivery and did not have medication. So instead of kind of going back and forth and battling with, you know, your physician or the nurses who are providing the care for you, you have that doula coach who's kind of there to kind of help you um, see through the wishes of the kind of birth that you wanted to have. And so that's kind of the benefit of having a doula. And it really is going back to some of the historical ways in which women uh, deliver babies, um, you know, prior to having obstetricians and and other folks that we see um, providing care doula care, so to speak, is um, very much rooted in um, historical practices that have happened in Africa and every other um, country across the world in terms of how we help to uh, bring babies into the world. So it's kind of going alongside um, with the mom and with the healthcare team in the hospital setting or in a um, home birthing setting, if that's the choice. And are those external partners that you work with for something like that? Are are those county partners that you work that to? Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, along with our Black Infant Health Program, we have a program called the Perinatal Equity Initiative. Um, So back in, I believe, 2018, the California legislature continued to recognize that we still have a health disparity in terms of birth outcomes for black babies. And so um, there was additional funding put toward the Perinatal Equity Initiative. And so Riverside County is um, a beneficiary of one of, um, you know, that particular grant. And so with that, we were able to um, fund two community um, programs. And one of those is a community doula um, program. And so what happens is now we have doula services that are available to women out in the community where it was oftentimes, you know, something more cash pay or something where you had to have the means or the funds to really pay for a doula. Mm -hmm. Now we're making it a little bit more of a normal um, expectation and, and there's no cost involved with having a doula and um, research tells us that doulas help to um, improve birth outcomes for women, black women in particular. Um, There's lower rates of C-sections and then women have better birth outcomes. So we're not, replacing what happens with our OB providers. Um, We're partnering with them to help this mom have a good outcome. 
one more question on on this topic of partnerships, and that is, how does the work to provide a better health outcome and and address systemic racism and, and provide those better outcomes, how does that intersect with social services? What I see and, and what I hope to see, um, I think that it's just really about integrating services. It's thinking about families from the whole perspective. And I think, um, for instance, um, if you think about social services where there may be, um, you know, somewhat of a negative connotation to why a family might have been involved with a certain circumstance, we have the opportunity to wrap around resources that would help these families. And so when we can do that, we can we can change the perception of all of our agencies, one. Um, and then secondly, we can really um, reduce some of the disparities that we see um, by partnerships and helping families connect with agencies, services, or programs that really do benefit them and really do make a difference and consider, um, maybe do consider their race, maybe do consider their language, may, maybe do consider um, where they live. You know, so I think um, we have so much opportunity to um, really have an integrated system that that helps that um, helps that come to life. You've also mentioned that there's a lot more work ahead for us, but in your view, what what do we what needs to be done? I think that we are moving in the right direction, first of all, because I think, um, you know, one thing that COVID has done has allowed us to recognize that there are a lot of disparities out there. And those were things that while we recognize that, I think it just came to life. Um, I think that um, we need to take those deeper dives around addressing racism and then thinking about how does racism um, really truly impact um, communities of color, um, folks who are um, poor. I mean, just the the different um, groups that we need to be thinking about who are um, dealing with uh, different disparities. And I think, um, you know, we just need to have those honest discussions. We need to not just look at data. We need to allow the data to give us guidance and direction because now we're seeing data in our faces and now we need to respond to the data that tells us, you know, this is a problem or this group needs this, that, and the other. And so we just need to um, be partners in addressing those issues. To let data motivate action. Yes, absolutely. Um, Before we um, wrap up here, I want to find out who can qualify for the Black Infant Health Program. Yes. How's that work? So according to um, our enrollment guidelines, you must be 16 years in age and older to enroll in the program. Um, You must be um, pregnant. Um, I believe it's 30 weeks pregnant um, or postpartum. We uh, recently um, provide provide two models. We um, allow women to come to groups where they come to 10 groups um, prenatally and 10 postpartum. And then we also offer case management services for those moms who really cannot participate in the group experience. And that's a new piece that was added to the program about a year ago. If you identify as an African-American woman and you're interested in enrolling, you must live in Riverside County, be 16 years of age or older, and be pregnant or parenting up to six months postpartum. If you want to learn more, call 1-800-794-4814 or visit the RUHS website at rivcophn.org. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us. Anything else that you'd like to add? 
Um, no, just again, um, if you know any um, African-American women um, who live in Riverside County um, who are pregnant, we encourage you to refer them to our program. We would love to have them. And we know that they will be met with um, open arms and we would love to have them. So this you. has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. All righty. That wraps up this episode of The Service Station. You'll find all our episodes on major podcast platforms such as Apple, Google, and Spotify, and also on our website, rivcodedpss.org. You'll also find our department on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at rivcodedpss. Till next time, thanks for listening.